Hi, I'm Jo, and welcome to Get Wildly Free, the podcast that will encourage you to notice, rip up, and set fire to the rules in life and work so you can live the way you truly want to. Today, I want to explore why the notion of freedom feels scary to us, why it feels too expansive, too unknown. I'm going to talk a bit about capitalism, a bit about patriarchy, and a bit about Plato. Bear with. But to begin with, you might want to know a bit about me and why I'm wanging on in your ear each week. So let's do that. So to start with, I'm a teeny tiny human, five foot and half an inch to be precise. Um, When I was 15, bearing in mind that I looked around 10 to 11, I went into like a metal emo shop with a friend. I looked at the old guy behind the counter and in my sweet unassuming high voice I said, hello, please can I have one of the patches that says fuck parental advisory? I will never forget the look on his face. I like to confound people's expectations. There's a quiet thrill in surprising people, shocking them, especially when they don't expect much from you. My mum says that I'm like a stick of rock. If you cut her open, you'd see John Hooper written all the way through it. My dad liked shock too. I've always hated authority, hated being told what to do, and hated the tiny little boxes people wanted to put me in. I've always been called stubborn. I've always been pretty feisty, a proper redhead. And I guess I've always been a right wee rebel. I choose to be child-free. My partner and I choose not to get married. I like androgynous clothes, like big giant men's shirts and dms i love the snow and not the blazing sunshine redheads do not do well in the heat in my last corporate job before i started my business i was nicknamed arnie that's right i was nicknamed after arnold schwarzenegger because when i opened my mouth it was like a flamethrower going off i'd rip a hole in anyone's argument that didn't stand up to my scrutiny i felt like the moral compass of the organization constantly having to speak up and speak out And now looking back on that corporate job and my whole corporate career, really, I know that a lot of that quite frankly aggressive behavior was because I felt like I was under scrutiny. I felt like someone was constantly watching and waiting for me to fail so they could just tell me how shit I was. And ultimately that aggression stemmed from a place of fear and frustration at having to operate within an environment under a set of rules that I didn't like, didn't believe in, didn't want and could not flourish within. So after working myself into two successive breakdowns in 2017 and 18, I very happily took redundancy and set up my own business. And now I've made up a job for myself, Freedom Coach, where I basically get to chat to and hang out with people that I think are amazing, remind them of how amazing they are, help them break out of the teeny tiny boxes the world has made for them and get bloody wildly free. What a life I've created for myself. I wanted to start this podcast because we have more freedom than we think we do. Like the last episode where I told you how I took a month off, there are so many situations in life where we think we don't have a choice, but we really do. We have the choice between the rule and the freedom, between should and could, between others and ourselves. So I'm here to show you those choices and help you make them, to help you choose yourself. Okay, so let's talk a wee bit about why freedom is so ruddy mind-bending, why it's so expansive, so bold, so free. It's kind of scary. Uh, Queen Glennon Doyle puts it so succinctly when she says in her book, Untamed, Why do women find it honourable to dismiss ourselves? 
Why do we decide that denying our longing is the responsible thing to do? Why do we believe that what will thrill and fulfill us will hurt our people? Why do we mistrust ourselves so completely? Here's why. Because our culture was built upon and benefits from the control of women. The way power justifies controlling a group is by conditioning the masses to believe that the group cannot be trusted. So the campaign to convince us to mistrust women begins early and comes from everywhere. When we're little girls, our families, teachers and peers insist that our loud voices, bold opinions and strong feelings are too much and unladylike. So we learn to not trust our personalities. Childhood stories promise us that girls who dare to leave the path or explore get attacked by big bad wolves and pricked by deadly spindles. So we learn to not trust our curiosity. The beauty industry convinces us that our thighs, frizz, skin, fingernails, lips, eyelashes, leg hair and wrinkles are repulsive and must be covered and manipulated, so we learn to not trust the bodies we live in. Diet culture promises us that controlling our appetite is the key to our worthiness, so we learn to not trust our own hunger. Politicians insist that our judgement about our bodies and futures cannot be trusted, so our own reproductive systems must be controlled by lawmakers we don't know in places we've never been. The legal system proves to us again and again that even our own memories and experiences will not be trusted. If 20 women come forward and say he did it and he says, no, I didn't, they will believe him while discouraging and maligning us every damn time. And religion, sweet Jesus. The lesson of Adam and Eve. The first formative story I was told about God and a woman was this. When a woman wants more, she defies God, betrays her partner, curses her family and destroys the world. We weren't born distrusting and fearing ourselves. That was part of our taming. We were taught to believe that who we are in our natural state is bad and dangerous. They convinced us to be afraid of ourselves. So we do not honour our own bodies, curiosity, hunger, judgement, experience or ambition. Instead, we lock away our true selves. Women who are best at this disappearing act earn the highest praise. She's so selfless. Can you imagine? The epitome of womanhood is to lose oneself completely. That is the end goal of every patriarchal culture, because a very effective way to control women is to convince women to control themselves. Oh, Queen Glennon, she gets me every time. And as Glennon says, we've been taught these rules so well for so long that we impose them on ourselves. We control ourselves. Every time we say to ourselves, oh, I really should answer that email that's just coming at 10pm, or I should be professional so I won't tell them that, but I'm not feeling well today. Or, I've got to meet that deadline, I can't tell them I'm really going through the ringer and need to push it back. We're oppressing ourselves. We're putting others' expectations, the expectations of the amorphous entity of society, which is really capitalism, patriarchy, ableism, and all the other systems of oppression, before our own wants, needs, and preferences. No more, friend. You're made for more than that, and so am I. But the concept of trying to step outside that web of expectations, shoulds and rules that society has woven for us is kind of too big to contemplate. So we keep on keeping on. And it's like Plato's allegory of the cave. So Plato, ancient Greek guy, basically wrote the plot of The Matrix in his allegory. Allegory? Allegory? Who knows? He said that life is like sitting in a cave watching shadows play on the wall from the fire behind us. We think that the shadows on the wall are all there is, because it's all we've ever known. Until one guy turns around and realises that it's just shadows cast by the fire, walks out of the cave and sees there's a whole world out there. We won't go into the bit where he comes back for his mates and is blinded by the sun, so they're all too scared to leave the cave thinking it will blind them all. We'll just we'll stick to the bit that 
where he goes out of the cave. <laughs> but when we've been staring at shadows playing on the wall of the cave for our whole lives, for the lives of generations before us, we can't conceive of what the world outside the cave could be like. But I promise you, the world out there is great. Take it a step at a time, look at one thing at a time, or run free and wild and frolic and laugh and scream. But freedom from the oppressive rules society has set for us is possible. Okay, so let's bring it back down to earth after the heady heights of ancient Greek philosophy, shall we? Stepping outside that cave, freeing yourself from the oppressive rules that we've been taught are our truth, is a thing. We have to choose it, though. One simple step to choosing freedom is first to notice the rules that you're living by. Notice them and pick one that you want to start working on changing. So say it's, I can't ask for help, it's weak. Every time you sense that thought coming up or a behavior that's based on that thought, I want you to do three things. First, stop. Notice the thought and be like, hmm, there's that little sucker again. Second, choose what you want to think instead. So maybe you replace, I can't ask for help, it's weak, with, I am safe to ask my trusted people to support me. I'm part of a supportive village and we help each other. Third, act based on that new belief or thought. This is what's called neuroplasticity. Look it up. It was a real lifeboat for me after I had my breakdown. It's the scientific fact that you can grow new neural pathways in your brain. Let me try and explain how. Disclaimer here, I'm obviously not a neuroscientist. So imagine you're standing on the edge of a field full of long grass that reaches above your head. It's going to be bloody hard to get across it. In front of you to the left is a beaten down section, which forms a clear path through the long grass all the way across the field. This is that thought that comes up like a rule. I can't ask for help, it's weak. It's a well-trodden pathway in our brains. It's a thought that our brain naturally picks because it's so used to picking it. It's an easy route to go down. Now, when we notice that thought, stop and pick a new one, like I set out for you, you're taking the first steps to hacking out a new pathway through that field for yourself. And every time you stop, notice and choose that new pathway, you're beating the grass down and making it a nice, neat path. And in time, that becomes the well-trodden path in your brain. Your brain automatically picks that route and the old one gets overgrown again. You can grow new neural pathways in your brain this way. Your brain's magic. So next time you notice that rule cropping up, choose another pathway. Choose the one you really want. Choose freedom. If you've enjoyed this episode and you're fired up to create some new free pathways for yourself, check out my free video on rebellious business that's linked in the show notes. Um, I'll soon be recording some coaching episodes. So if you want to get coached by me on the podcast, head to the show notes too and fill in the form um, and I'll be in touch. And until next week, so, so much love. <laughs> <laughs>